My name's Riley. I'm just one of the guys that kind of rocks up here every Sunday. Uh, but if you weren't here last week, if you weren't here last week for part one of our series, we actually looked, this, looked at this idea uh, that you can be rich, that you can be rich without feeling rich. And for a lot of us in the room, for a lot of us, if someone were to ask you the question, are you rich, straight off the bat, you would say no. You would say, no, 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 I am so far off from being rich. I got so much debt. I have so much loan debt, so much hex debt, uh, so much of my children's education debt. Like, Riley, uh, I don't have a big house. I don't have a nice new car. I don't have a boat. I don't have a nice kitchen. I don't have one of those fish aquariums that sits as a feature wall in the pool room. Like, I don't have a wine cellar. I don't have multiple fridges in my house for different food items. Like, you wouldn't hear this from me. Like, rich people never say that I can't afford this. That's something that I say, Riley. Like, I often say, I can't afford this. No, rich people, rich people, they use words like overseas trips. They use words like new cars. They use words like facials. They use words like Paris. They use sentences like, sorry, I was late. I just came back from my hot yogalati sessions after my Chinese remedial massage. Like, rich people kind of say those things. In our head, we have an idea of how rich people think and, and how they about things when it comes to finances because they have so much to use but you might look at your own life and say like I have to budget I have to budget my groceries every week all the pending transactions in my bank account cause me grief the fuel prices going up cause me grief I have to check my account so often before making purchases I only buy clothes during sales which which really you know I try and compensate by saying that if it's on sale then really I'm saving money but I also always look to buy clothes that are on sale I'm far from rich and in your time here on earth maybe uh, you've always tried to say to yourself, or maybe you told yourself that one day, you know what, I'll get there. Maybe I will be rich, but now you're sitting in the spot that you're at in your life and you're simply saying to yourself, it just won't happen. I just will never be and am not rich. And I feel you. I feel you. I've lived off the sausages and me grain diet for a week in my youth myself, but if we go about comparing our bank accounts and the number that sits in it to others, uh, we'll always feel potentially less than others, we'll always be craving more. But to put things in perspective, to put things in perspective, if you were to sit down across from one of the people, if you were to sit down across from one of the families uh, in our world that makes up one third of the global population who live off $2 a day, how would you go about explaining your money problems to them? How would you go about explaining to them that you aren't rich? See, you might not feel rich, but the truth is, on a global scale, you are. So why is it? So why is it that we don't always feel it? Because uh, it's pretty simple to say feeling out of control with our finances can make us feel really overwhelmed. That worry and money in itself just seem to always find themselves together. But to help you get control over it, to make sure that you actually feel rich and to help tackle the issues that you really care about in this world, tackle the issues that are actually facing people that you really care about. Tonight we're going to look at how we can actually go about being consistently generous. And to be consistently generous, to actually tackle these issues through your giving, we have to understand how some of us actually often approach this idea or this thing of generosity. And, and I know for a lot of you, for a lot of you, you might be thinking to yourself, like, oh, I'm fairly generous, like I feel fairly generous, and tonight I um, don't want to attack you on that in any way. I think everyone in some capacity wants to be known as a generous person. What we're doing tonight is actually looking at how people so often approach generosity from this interesting angle. 
and we're actually going to evaluate, we're going to examine, actually look at ways that we can go about uh, better unleashing a movement of generosity across our local region. Because our common version of generosity can often look like three words, or three words that start with S. So we've creatively packaged this as the three S giver, right? Hang in with me as we kind of walk through it. Because one way that we can go about giving is through being spontaneous or a spontaneous giver. And first things first, there's nothing wrong with this type of giving. A spontaneous giver, when you see a need, you immediately want to pounce on it. You immediately want to try and fix it in some way. When we see a man by the uh, the road of the city with a sign saying that they're hungry, we run to them with food in our hands or, or a little bit of money to give them. When we see a friend going through a hard time and they need to use a car because theirs has broken down, you're quick to throw them your keys because you know that there's a car in your driveway that you never use. Uh, if a family at school is going through a rough time, you send flowers or cook a meal to help them out. These are all good things, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with this type of giving. However, however, if spontaneous giving becomes your only lone exercise of generosity, then it narrows and limits the impact that you could have on the lives of others. Because spontaneous giving is reactional in nature and often reacts based off emotion. It reacts based off compassion for someone who is hungry or homeless, yes, but also at times guilt for having something that someone else doesn't. The sympathy and empathy for others who are struggling. And, and once again, there's nothing wrong with this, but giving based off your reaction to your emotions every time is just simply not enough to cultivate a consistent vision of generosity. So that's the spontaneous giver. And if we move on, there's another type of giver, the sporadic giver. And when you sporadically give, you pick and choose the times that you want to be generous. You pick and choose the times when you want to give. It's less about reactions, less about emotions, and more, I haven't given to charity for a while, so I think I might today. It's all based on your terms. And you give by your own need to feel like you are generous when you want to feel generous. It fills you up first. Sporadic giving is really giving when you think you feel like it rather than giving from a place with others in mind. And moving on from the sporadic giver, we find ourselves at the sparing giver. The sparing giver. The sparing giver gives out of their surplus. Their motivation is really that they have no real motivation. They just have spare money. The best example of a sparing giver is when you rock up at McDonald's, you, you buy something at a, a fast food takeaway joint, and you have a little bit of extra coinage that gets given back to you after you pay with cash, so you drop it in the little charity box at the front. And then you have surplus. A sparing giver will often give because they say, well, I feel like I have to, or because it's convenient to me in this time, because I can. Because they have already had their needs met first. And when we take this 3S giver approach to giving, we, we essentially boil generosity down into random acts of kindness, these things that happen sporadically or happen in one-off moments. But generosity, generosity is more than just acts of kindness. Generosity doesn't have to be spontaneous. It doesn't have to be sporadic, and it doesn't always have to be sparing. That's why there's a better way to go about it that will actually ensure that you can leave a larger impact a more sustainable, more consistent way of being generous that actually leaves you feeling less guilty when you give money away. Because money is not only significant for us simply because we exchange it for what we value. What you do with your money shows what you value with your heart. And, and a fellow by the name of Mark, who was actually around over 2,000 years ago, uh, this is a guy who actually documented the life and the teachings of Jesus. He gives us an insight 
in his account or his book that's very creatively called the book of Mark. And his uh, documentation of Jesus' life actually shows us a way that we can go about measuring generosity. And this uh, in this short snippet, this short scene that Mark kind of writes for us, it takes place in a religious temple where Jesus is kind of sitting back, people watching with his disciples. And in this story, in this story we find in Mark's writing, Jesus shows us a new way that we can go about being generous. Like I said, Mark kind of set the scene for us. Jesus and his boys are sitting back, and they're in this religious temple. And in the religious temple, there's a box that sits in the middle. So let's pick up from where Mark takes us. Uh, and I'll, I'll walk you through it from there. And we see that Mark writes, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. And, and perhaps you've been to a church before where there was an offering plate or a bowl that was passed down through the aisles. Well, in Jesus' day, the, the bowl wasn't passed. It was actually located in one single spot. And it sat in a spot where everyone could see it. It sat in a spot where everyone could see how much money you were throwing into the collection box. It was a public viewing to who was putting what in. And Jesus is sitting back and he's watching the people come and put their money into this box. And as he watched, he saw different people from different socioeconomic class coming and putting their money into the collection box. And these are some of the observations that he made. He said many rich people put in large amounts. Many rich people put in large amounts amounts and he's seeing people continue to come forward and put money into this collection box when all of a sudden coming out of the shadows he sees someone hobbling now, it's an elderly lady that's coming forward to the collection box this is what mark writes then a poor widow a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins dropped in two small coins notice how jesus makes the contrast between the large amount the rich people gave and the small amount that the elderly widow gave and maybe if you were at the temple on that day, maybe you were thinking to yourself, like, listen, I would be running over to that lady. I'd say, listen, uh, elderly, poor old widow lady, like, take your two small coins back. Like, take it out of the box. Like, you need that money more than anybody else. Like, everyone else is just giving because they feel like they have to. You actually need that money. Like, take it back. Because her two small coins, her two small coins were so insignificant compared to what everyone else was giving. She may as well have kept them in her pocket especially when compared to the amount that the wealthy people were throwing in. But Jesus continues to make observation, and Mark tells us that Jesus called his disciples to him. He brings his, in his boys for a quick chat, and this is what he says. He says, I tell you the truth, based off what he's seen just in this moment. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. And if you've grown up in a church before and you've heard this story, before there's a chance that you might get this warm fuzzy feeling because what we can often take away is this idea that jesus loves people on the outside he's going to support and defend and protect people who are marginalized that jesus loved old ladies like this is a takeaway that we can find in this story but there's something more significant that we can also see and it's something that we can often miss because it is related to being generous and it is related to our own money and in his next breath his next breath with his disciples jesus explains why he pointed out the elderly widow to begin with he says for they gave a tiny part of their surplus talking about the rich people the rich people for they gave a tiny part of their surplus but she the elderly widow poor as she is has given everything she had to live on and what jesus highlights is something that often gets missed and it's this 
that the percentage matters more than the sum. The percentage matters more than the sum. This story gives us a picture of some of the earliest rich people who were simply awful at being rich. Sure, they gave money out of a surplus. Sure, it looked pretty generous, but it was sporadic, right? It was sparing, it was spontaneous, and according to Jesus, right, they were giving out of their own need to feel like they had to give. But the widow, the widow viewed things differently. She came in from a different angle that's simply unnatural to our eyes because she had a plan. She had a plan, and perhaps she can teach us first world rich people something tonight. And that's this, that generosity, generosity begins right where you are. And you don't have to have a whole lot of money to be generous. You don't have to have a whole lot of money to be generous. You can use what you have. And the value placed on what is given is actually what matters more than the amount. Because money is what we can make it mean. $50,000, $5,000, $500, $50, $5 from a down payment on a mortgage to buying a second-hand car to groceries for a couple of weeks all the way down to a cup of coffee. The value of money looks different for everyone. Two small coins can look different for everyone. And there's so many ways you can be generous with your time, so many ways that you can be generous uh, with your talents, with your gifts and abilities. And what we see in Jesus' observations of the poor widow is that when it comes to finances, generosity doesn't just begin with the dollar value. It begins with a plan. Because people who plan when it comes to giving are intentional. They're intentionally generous. They look and they plan ahead so that they can be really generous over a consistent period of time. And this is in contrast to our 3S giver approach. Like I said, once again, we're getting creative. We've got a 3P giver approach that we can check out tonight as well. A 3P word that we can check in with. And, and the first one is this, that when it comes to being a generous giver, a consistently generous giver, this type of giver gives with a percentage in mind. They give with a set margin in mind that they know that they can stick to, that they can be disciplined by. Percentage givers don't just react based off emotions, but with an amount set aside ready to give because the percentage matters more than the amount. And these type of givers, they give with priority. They give with priority. This type of giving involves knowing what you prioritize. It actually considers the fact that you don't want to feel like that you have lost your money when you give it away. That you can know that it's actually going towards something that breaks your heart, something that you're thankful for, or to someone or someones that you really care for. Priority. Priority givers prioritize what they are giving. And, and these three Ps, these three P givers, don't just give in percentage. Don't just give in percentage with priority on a one-off basis or a sporadic basis. But they give progressively. A progressive giver, they actually ask questions, they do a review, they evaluate as they earn more. They ask themselves the question of how can I be more generous? How can I maximize what I give? Progressive givers recognize that as the value they earn increases and grows, the amount that they can actually give away and bless others with can also grow too. You see 3P givers, they are rowdy and they are weird compared to 3S givers. Because the motivators of spontaneous, sporadic and sparing giving at times often points back to the needs and the insecurities of the person. And, and the funny thing is, is about this type of giving is that it can lead us to feel remorse and regret before we feel joy. And when we are worried and when we're stressed or anxious about our finances, we can put ourselves in this cycle of trying to retain control of our money and of our bank account. And we do this by refusing or, or getting scared to look at our bank account in the first place and checking in with it. 
which is just less than ideal. Like, that's counterintuitive. We do it by overspending. We do it by rewarding ourselves for not spending, by actually spending more. By making more money in our lives, our appetite is just inclined to grow. Why? Because it will be accustomed to consuming more. It's this cycle of never feeling content, this cycle of fear, this cycle of never feeling satisfied, this cycle of never feeling in full control, of feeling safe, of feeling secure, this cycle of never really feeling rich. When you make a plan, when you make a plan to be generous, you control your money, not the other way around. And like we said, we, we crafted this series not just with the needs of our local community in mind, but with your best interest in mind too. And we're talking about noni- money not because of what we want from you, but what we want for you. And every Sunday night around this time, uh, we love to give some next steps for you. So when you step into the rest of your week, you're stepping into it knowing that there's an action plan. And we love to do this thing at Beyond called Four Monday because we believe what's the point in coming to church on Sunday if it's not going to change you, if it's not going to impact you for Monday. So this week's Four Monday is this, to actually get a kickstart on this idea of being generous, of being consistently generous. This week's Four Monday is to make a plan based around the three Ps. To make a plan based around percentage, priority, and being a progressive giver. And if this is something that you really want to action on, if you've got some things pressing into your heart and you're someone that, that knows that there are times when we do give spontaneously, when we do give sporadically, sparing, all the rest, if you want to be someone that can start to grow in being consistently generous, I challenge you to take this one on. And, and we actually have a way that you can do it. Like I said, we have two organizations that we would love to raise money for and get $1,500 out to them or even more over the next two Sundays. If you'd love to jump on in and be a part of a movement, a wave of generosity in our Be Rich campaign, there's a couple of really easy ways you can do that, and you can do it by applying this for Monday. A way that you can go about being a percentage priority and progressive here is by actually checking out uh, the bank account details for the Be Rich campaign. And if you want to take a quick snapshot of this, that's great. I'll move my chair over so you don't get my gorgeously good-looking face in. But... These are our bank details. If you're keen on being a part of something big, something that's going to create a wave of generosity in our community, that's our account number right there. We've got our BSB as well. Uh, We have our account name. You might be looking at that and like, oh, that's a little bit odd. That's a little bit strange. But so you know, Living Faith Lutheran Church is actually a big part of Beyond actually kickstarting. So uh, they actually still operate some of our admin side of things. So that's why that account name is there. But the big thing, the big thing you don't want to miss out on when it comes to online giving, if that's how you'd like to give, is the description. Because what you need to whack in is be rich. And if you have the spare space, make sure you get the word beyond in as well. But if you get be rich in, that would be absolutely banging uh, because we'll make sure that the money that you'd love to give will get out to Griffin State School uh, for a chaplain and at the same time get out to Headspace Redcliffe as well. And if you want to practice generosity by by whacking in some non-perishables in our hampers too, that opportunity is still pumping over the next couple of weeks. But our Be Rich campaign will happen up until next Sunday. And we want to smash that 3,000 target out of the park. But here's an opportunity for you to apply the Four Monday and take the first steps to practicing generosity. But to bring it in for tonight, as we start to kind of land the plane on this two weeks series, I have a bit of an imagine if, what if, hypothetical situation for you, which I know you might push back against because I often push back against using my imagination, but here's something for you. Imagine you had an account 
Imagine you had an account with all the money you have ever wasted, all the money that you've ever gambled away or invested on spontaneous purchases. I'm talking power tools, I'm talking jeans, I'm talking shoes, I'm talking kitchen utensils that you've never used, I'm talking things like thermomixes, I'm talking IKEA flat packs that you never actually assembled. That's the type of things I'm talking about. Imagine you had an account that had all the money you have ever spent on bad habits sporadic purchases, eating out, grabbing takeaway, purchasing your 14th cup of coffee for the week, on groceries that you bought but you never got around to cooking up or eating. Imagine you had an account with all the money you spent knowing you had some to spare, but knowing it left you with a feeling of just guilt and regret. What if? What if you had all that money back? What if you had all that money back to give away over the course of one year? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that bring you a lot more than just happiness? It would probably bring you a lot of joy and the people around you a lot of joy. You'd be feeling pretty good. Wouldn't that allow you to overcome your remorse? You see, as long as money controls your view of life, it will always control you. We'll always be a slave to our debt, your spending, our finances, and that won't just affect you. You know that. It'll affect the people around you in your own life, the people close to you, and the people that will be in your life in the future too. See, the benefit of practicing this 3P giver approach is that it expands beyond the world of finances. When you give with percentage, when you give with priority, when you give progressively, you have money to spend on cooking dinner for someone when they, after they've had a baby, spending money on giving people petrol because they ran out on the side of the road. All of a sudden, when you set up a percentage for yourself, you can allow yourself to pay the phone bill for someone who's just lost their job. Have a percentage aside to invest in people and you can start small and work your way up. That way, you don't get caught up in being this 3S giver. You can overcome the thought that this concept of giving our wealth away will make us miss it. You should never miss money given to meet a need in somebody else's life. The funny thing about giving things away, the funny thing about giving our wealth away is that it has positive side effects. It can give you a seriously fun dopamine hit. Giving away wealth can protect you against things like greed and protect you from the dizzying effects of wealth. When you give more, you really need less. When you practice true generosity, you give more, you save more, and you consume less. The movement of your money signifies the movement of your heart. Where your money goes, your heart is going. You exchange money for what you value, for what you treasure. Because generosity is how you say yes to what is important to you, both from a thankful heart and also a broken heart. And the reality of it all is, is is the fact that you are here in this world, the chances of you being born into this world is unreal. It's simply absurd. The chances of you being born into this world, into the family that you're a part of, the financial world that you're a part of, where you are, potentially in the top half, if not most definitely, probably the top one richest percent of people in the world, then you are either extremely lucky in the biology and the economy of the world that we live in, or you are a living miracle, the ability to make an impact on the lives of so many people. Because this is a heavenly father. This is a heavenly father who has given you your wealth, a rich life. And I'm not just talking finances now. This is a heavenly father who has blessed you with your unique gifts, your personalities, your characteristics, the people that you really care about in your life, the people who are for you, your partner, your family. There's a Heavenly Father who's given you life, a generous God who is for people. 
this is a God who is so generous. He's so generous that he's for people and that he loves all people, then his followers should be for people and should love all people too. Because the hallmark of Christians, the hallmark of Christians in the early first century, it, it wasn't their wealth. It wasn't their theology, how much they knew about God or how much they knew about Jesus' teachings and were able to apply it. Their beliefs were odd. So odd, even religious people couldn't even understand them. The leverage that early followers of Jesus had was that they had little, but they gave what they had. They received little compassion, but they were willing to extend what they had to other people. They were impossible to ignore because they shared a message of hope through inexplicable actions of compassion and of generosity. That's why followers of Jesus, who's been called to be, who followers of Jesus have been called to be. Generosity is not just something you do. Generous is not something you do. Generous is who you are. And for us, I know, for all people, followers of Jesus and, and those who aren't, generosity is not a natural thing. We have to be taught how to share. And if you're a parent, I get that you know that. But we have to be taught how to share since our natural instinct is to hold on to what we've worked for. Generosity is not spontaneous. It isn't emotional, uh, random or sparing giving. It isn't being guilted, inspired, sold, bribed uh, into random acts of goodness. Generosity is living a life built, oriented, and organized around being generous. Generosity affects every part of your finances, but it also affects every part of your life. But, but the only way to cultivate a generous heart is to practice it. Starting with a plan to be generous is the approach to take to transform the needs of those in your life. Those you see in need, those in our local community and beyond. Starting a plan to be generous is the approach to dramatically change your own life and also the life of others. So, to feel rich, to be rich, you can take the first step. All you have to do is start where you are. I'd love to pray for us, and then we're going to go into this time of communion. But let's pray together. God, we just thank you for the people that you've blessed in our life, people who are for us, Father, and people who are generous to us. God, we know that there are so many things pressing into our own hearts, so many issues, uh, so many things we see across the media that just makes us feel sick on the inside, that makes us feel like we have to get up and make a difference, but we feel at times that it's simply not enough. How much we'll give is just simply not enough to make an impact. God, we just thank you that you've called us uh, to serve and live with a generous heart because, God, you are a generous heavenly Father. So, Lord, uh, we pray. We pray as we look to be disciplined by things like money that we can be people that can be disciplined uh, by our own actions, that we can be people to look and see into the hearts of others from our own broken and thankful heart and give away wealth knowing that it doesn't need to come from a place of feeling guilty. It can come from a place of being empathetic, but, God, that it comes from a place of actually being for people, of actually loving people. God, we thank you and we give you this opportunity. We pray these things in your name. Amen.